Hey everybody, it's Josh. I want to give you a quick update about Intelligame Radio. Our main show that airs on Monday, our segmented interview program, will be back on May 11th, and I'm really excited to get back into that rhythm. Things have been pretty tumultuous for everyone as a result of, well, the state of the world right now. But in the meantime, there have still been a ton of creators out there doing amazing work and some really awesome opportunities for us to share games, even even digitally. So I think there'll be some really cool conversations for us to have. In the meantime, I wanted to go ahead and air an episode of something that Jenny and I tried recording a couple of weeks ago. This is a segment that I'd like to do more often if it turns out it's something you folks are interested in. So please uh, give me some feedback on this. You can shoot an email to josh at intelligame.us or you can tag us on social media at intelligameus. This is a segment that tentatively might be called What We're Playing. This is a little bit more casual and just an opportunity for us to chat about the games that we're playing and why we're so engaged by them. I hope you like it. Thanks again so much for being part of the IntelliGame community. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep IntelliGaming. Hey everybody, this is Josh, founder of IntelliGame, a game culture criticism site. We make connections between games and the real world. This is our podcast extra, where we talk about games we've been playing this week. This week, I am joined by IntelliGame Club curator Jenny Windham. What's going on, Jenny? Not much. <laughs> Actually, so much, because I'm playing a really awesome game. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's go ahead and get started. What, uh, what have you been playing this week? Oh, only the thing I've been waiting for for like two decades. <laughs> um, like so many people... I am in Midgar right now. I've jumped into Final Fantasy VII Remake, just both feet, and I am in love. It's so... I love it so much. It's so good. Uh, I've been watching people play it on Twitch, and I am I will admit, I am, like, mind-blown by the gorgeousness of it. Uh, the game is just so visually striking. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like... There have been moments I have actually gasped or usually I sit on the ground when I play video games because I like to like move a lot sure. when I play. <laughs> and like there have been moments where I've just like jumped up to my feet because I am so excited by what's in front of me because these are places and people that I've visualized and imagined since I was in elementary school, basically. Okay. And to be able to see it in this like HD <laughs> really highly realistic graphical form like it's just so cool <laughs> i like it, it has rendered me speechless in a few moments because i've been surprised by places that i kind of were a little fuzzy in my mind and forgot about and then they showed a flash of it you know in the game during a cutscene, and yeah it's just been magical sure now I, obviously we'll try to avoid spoilers but can you tell me a little bit about how do you how have you felt about going through this experience? I know that Final Fantasy VII is a game that's really close to your heart in the first place. Yeah, I mean, and we were talking about this before recording, but this is a game that I played like in elementary school with my brother. We would sit and it's a three, you know, it's a three disc game, the original is. So it's a right. hefty amount of time to invest in a world. And as kids, my brother and I would sit by each other and play and argue over what to equip <laughs> and and so it was a really formative experience in that respect and i have this tradition for myself where every summer you know i would beat final fantasy 7 it's just one of those games for me and so playing it has been this incredible trip down 
sort of this nostalgic highway <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's a highway because it is fast and the game is like full and you of want to drive it all night long i do i did <laughs> i stayed up till a ridiculous amount of time i don't even want to say but it was close to like four in the morning three thirty four oh. in the morning playing it because i didn't want this adventure to end because i've been waiting for so long and it's been amazing what they have kept that's allowed me to like really capture that sense of nostalgia and like remember things fondly and then the details that they've added for me have just like blown me away in the ability that it's had to let me feel more connected to some of these characters and more excited about the world that Midgar is. Sure. So there are a lot of folks who are going to be coming to Final Fantasy VII for the first time, mm-hmm. or maybe they played it back in the day and don't remember it super well. I know that it sounds like this game is a love letter to fans of the franchise or fans of the game. Yeah. Do you for feel sure. like do you feel like it still works for people who might be a little fresh? You know, that's the one thing I was like kind of debating. I think for the most part it will work for people who are fresh to it because I mean, it's a beautiful game. The story itself pretty much stands on its own to get sort of in the weeds a little bit. The first couple of hours I could see people who are totally fresh to the game and don't know what's going on, maybe feeling like, like, what is this all about? Because there are <laughs> a lot, there are a lot more side quests, for example, that don't necessarily tie into the direct story thread. And so for me, I love it because it gives me a chance to walk around this world that I've imagined for decades. And for someone totally brand new, they might be like, well, where's the action? Like, why am I doing this like side gig that doesn't seem to have anything to do with Shinra or saving the planet? So I could see that being maybe a deterrent. And like, I know the character so well, I could see maybe perhaps some of the details that they're providing other people, maybe like either that's too much random detail or some people being like, I don't know if I know this character as well yet. So why are they providing this to me? But Overall, I do think anyone jumping in is going to have a blast. Okay, very cool. Yeah. I, I'm also curious, again, without diving too deep into spoiler territory, mm-hmm. I imagine that there are changes that they've made to the fundamental storyline. Do you feel like there are places that they've they've made sort of quality updates or places that feel stronger compared to the story of the original? So I'm about... 15 hours in so i have not finished the remake at this point in time so this is you know this is all coming with that grain of salt that maybe at the end of it who knows i might be disappointed in some of the way these changes have come about because there are some pretty big changes i feel like in terms of um so i don't think this is too spoilery but the game starts particularly around this group named Avalanche who are fighting the government and fighting a lot of sort of the corporations in the city Midgar because these corporations are draining the planet of Mako energy. Mm -hmm. And the sort of ideology of Avalanche and sort of the structure of Avalanche is different between the two games enough where it's been really interesting for me so far to sort of reflect on what it means in terms of how far would you go to do something that is good, ultimately good, but maybe the actions that you're taking to get there aren't necessarily good. And that's a theme that was present in the original game, but I have been really enjoying the way that they are bringing it into this game and offering 
quite a wide variety of perspectives and like conflicting feelings that different members of Avalanche in the core group have about this. And I think that that's something that I hadn't thought about at all when I was playing as a kid, partially because I wasn't thinking about that as a kid. But as an adult playing this now, I think I've been appreciating the nuance and sort of the variation in how each person that I thought I knew as a character, how they're approaching this, these actions that they're taking. And I think that's a really exciting way to explore the, the greater themes of the game that we already know are present. I think it'll be really cool for a lot of us as adults to go through and have a second opportunity to process themes that, like you said, were present when we were kids, but perhaps we didn't have a global context to fit them in. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously as the world goes through what it's going through right now, discussions about the environment, the corporate responsibility, and the actions we take as individuals in this world seem really relevant. So it seems like in addition to hitting the nostalgia button, there could also be some really relevant social discussions too. Yeah, it's it's been really exciting. I think one thing that really struck me and was at the beginning of the game. And so this is this is like the first hour of gameplay, so I hope it doesn't get too into that spoiler feeling for people <laughs> who may not have experienced it, but one of the very first missions that you go through is you start with this group and you you bomb a Mako reactor. And it sets up the whole premise of this is the corporation that's doing the bad things, they're horrible people, and we're doing this for the planet, which is good. And in the original game, after you leave the Mako reactor, you realize that the bombing mission, there are there are casualties. People, civilians are affected by this. And as a kid playing it and, you know, as a younger person playing it, I felt that. But especially what hit me in sort of this like post 9-11 world that we're living in, playing that mission and having it look so realistic and having the more fleshed out city and the more fleshed out sort of city dwellers and side characters that you can walk by and you see them reacting to this this threat and this bombing that they have no idea what's happening you know and um they don't know that this is in line with sort of a greater goal of helping the planet at that point in time and so seeing that and reliving that in sort of my adult perspective post 9-11 world perspective I think that was one moment that I was sort of strangely like taken aback at how like moved is the wrong word but it like really like struck a chord with me um, that I was not that was one thing I was not expecting at all so it's been really really cool to revisit and sort of reevaluate this game and think about it wow well I think for folks who I I will admit talking with you about it has made me more excited for uh, seven remake I haven't picked it up myself but it's something I'm I'm gonna take a look at yeah yeah, I think it's like the only qualms I had. There's like one qualm, the biggest one, and I think it's the one everyone had, is just I wish they had just done more justice to Barrett's character. Yeah. I think that's the only thing. I'm like, and it's unfortunate because Barrett truly is an interesting character. Right, as the as the black man in, yes. the, in the game. Yep. yep. But my, my hope is that perhaps as the game, because this is episodic, so this is just the first disc of the original Final Fantasy game, mm-hmm. my hope is, depending on where they are, maybe they can hopefully take some of this feedback that they're getting about the character and like maybe finesse things and readjust the later episodes, sure. hopefully. So yeah, that is me, that my life is Final Fantasy. 
and Animal <laughs> Crossing, but right now it's mostly Final Fantasy. But right. since you're not playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, what have you been diving into lately? Oh, well, actually, I've been playing another Final Fantasy, <laughs> Final Fantasy yeah. XIII. Uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy XIII is my favorite Final Fantasy. I, mm-hmm. I used to waffle between that and four, which was my first Final Fantasy, but... Also Crystal Chronicles. Crystal Chronicles is so good. But <laughs> I've been spending time with Final Fantasy thirteen. A lot of people really panned it when it first came out because it's really linear. The intro, probably 20, 30 hours of the game, there really aren't, there's not a whole lot of like, I'm going to go and explore this town or walk around on a world map, which a mm-hmm. lot of other Final Fantasy games let you do. But I adore this game because it has such tight control of its story and its mm. characters and it can do that because you always know or i should say the the storyteller the narrative designer always knows who's in your party at any given moment mm-hmm. so in 13 you play as this party of heroes who well they feel they're heroes but they've been branded as sort of traitors there's this floating world called cocoon that hovers over this this world of grand pulse and Pulse is referred to by everybody on Cocoon as like hell on earth. People aren't have never been there, but they've been told like if they go there, it's it's horrible, it's hell, it's it's a terrible place to be. And there are these sort of godlike creatures called Thalsi that provide like power and energy to different areas to Pulse and to Cocoon. So a Pulse Thalsi shows up in Cocoon and everybody freaks out. And so they basically institute the purge where anybody who's even been near or in contact with the Pulse Thalsi is sent exi- is exiled to Cocoon. Mm-hmm. And so that starts this sort of like violent revolution where these military troops are trying to shuttle everybody out of Cocoon and some people have decided to fight back. As each of the party members uh, has their different ways of sort of randomly showing up in the same spot, they all become sort of like, I don't want to go too in the weeds, but basically, because <laughs> I, I could sit here and just tell the whole story of Final Fantasy XIII. But the, the point of the story is that it creates this space where everybody has to evaluate what it means to essentially like choose your own destiny versus mm-hmm. fulfilling the roles that you feel that other people have created for you and it's just it's a i think there are many places where it's a really beautiful storyline in contrast to barrett mm-hmm. saz katzroy the the black oh, character in final fantasy 13 yeah and like they still you know it's still like a game made in japan and they do some stuff where like saz is definitely the like pratfall character of the game mm-hmm. there's a chocobo chick a little baby essentially a little baby chicken that like lives in his afro so there's some stuff that like feels weird but he also delivers some of the most tangible emotional moments and mm-hmm. provides a a grounding in sort of realism and heart and emotion and the stakes of the matter that's very different than the rest of the party members. But he's the oldest member of the party. And so he is able to provide a perspective that as the game goes on becomes, I think, one of my most tangible moments in Final Fantasy history. Though I will point out that uh, for folks who decide to jump in, there are some mental health related uh warnings trigger warnings Mm -hmm. to to be on the lookout for later on in the game particularly in terms of suicidal thoughts so Mm. yeah that's wow well and (laughs) so because you this is your favorite final fantasy so 
how have you played it like multiple times? Is this the first time you're you're revisiting it after a long time? I think it's just really interesting because, uh, you know, the world is revisiting Final Fantasy VII, and you're you're choosing to revisit thirteen right now. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually this is my first full revisiting of the game since finishing it back when it first came out. Wow. And yeah, I I have trouble prioritizing playing longer games because there are just mm-hmm. so many other games that come out. I put together a list of 100 games that I was like, these are ones that I own that I think are important that I'm going to prioritize over bringing in new games. And I have an order that I'm supposed to go through them in. But mm-hmm. I started playing 13 early <laughs> because it's... <laughs> oh, and if I'm honest, I think some of it is that sort of nostalgia search that I think a lot of people are going into Final Fantasy VII for. Right. 13 gives me comfort. And right now, this is a really uncomfortable time. And yeah. so there's something about digging back into a space that I know that I appreciate. But also, like, there are tons of plot lines and story beats that I've forgotten about. I'm also playing it on PC, which wasn't available when it first came out on the 360. The 360 was actually the, like, lowest graphic quality version of the game because the 360 HD DVD couldn't hold as much as PS3 Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. So they released it on three discs, I think, for 360, either three or four discs, and they released it on a single Blu-ray on PS3. And so playing it on the PC and seeing it at like a better frame rate and higher resolution or whatever, I do appreciate those those sort of graphical touches. Yeah, there are just different things about it that going back to it now, it feels comfortable, but it also provides a lot of themes that I think are really worth revisiting and thinking about in the world Mm -hmm. that we're in right now, particularly when it comes to um, situations where it feels like all hope is lost. And how do we still take the energy and the tools and the community of people that we have around us and say, these are the ways that we're still going to take action anyway. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, pretty critical. So it's been awesome. It's been good. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about the ability, because both of us have mentioned how we've really enjoyed revisiting these games, even though they have themes that are heavier and bigger and really applicable to what's happening in the real world today, which is kind of interesting because for a while, like with the Animal Crossing craze, I, I was playing Animal Crossing to like totally escape the themes and things happening in the world today, you know? Yeah. But it's so fascinating to me how with, this sort of layer of nostalgia and familiarity, we're able to, like, it provides sort of a buffer for us to think about these heavier thoughts, I think, or yeah. these more, yeah, more weighty topics. I, I totally agree. I was similarly in an Animal Crossing hole where I would just put hours and hours into this game. And I think that there is a sort of space where playing Animal Crossing provided this idea or this ability where it's like, it's an area that I have control in. It's very safe. It's very soft. Nobody gets hurt. Also, it's like capitalism, a, a theoretical ideal capitalism, right? Like if you don't pay down your loan, it doesn't matter. You just don't get a bigger house. Like food is everywhere and you just take it off trees and, mm-hmm. and you know, that kind of thing. But what I feel like I'm sort of transitioning into now is like, okay, now I've had some time to grieve. Now I've had some time to get some energy back. How can I channel that energy into into doing a thing? And even if right. I have to start with a step that feels comfortable, 
I still now am like, okay, let me take on something with a story. Let me start doing some of this analysis. And mm-hmm. I think I know a lot of people, sort of myself included, after Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race, like that was yeah. a blow because there's just a a real progressive voice and stance that is represented by not only him, but Elizabeth Warren, Andrew Yang, that now feels like it, it's just not part of our political discussion, even as we look at a way that our healthcare system is busted. Our economic system is busted. Yeah. All you, you know, like <laughs> everything's broken. Yeah, and and people are like, well, we need to give people money every month. And Andrew Yang's like, oh, really? You know. And then other people are like, it's ridiculous that I have to pay all this for healthcare. And Bernie Sanders is like, oh, you think so? So it feels like I've had a little bit of time to to kind of lick my wounds in Animal Crossing and be in this ideal space. But now if sort of if I can look at my gameplay as a translation of what I'm going through, going into 13 and spending that time there, it's giving me some of that that motivation and that ability to say, like, what what can we do? How can we take some knowledge? How can we take some information? Let's mm-hmm. let's make a change. Yeah. And obviously the change has to be more than just playing the game, but like, but there has to right. be a, a, a way to mentally energize and wrap around those concepts. It, it is that stepping stone because it's, it's hard to go from feeling like I just want to sit at home and in my bed and just eat snacks and play Animal Crossing and not think about anything. Yep. Um, you've got to like ease your way back in. And I do think playing games like Final Fantasy, just games in general or just games that have these situations that allow you to sort of start emerging back into the real world and thinking about what would you do now because we're in our own situation that they have in Final Fantasy. How are we going to do what these characters are doing, you know? Mm -hmm. There's something to be said about that. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I I think we will find a way. I'm glad we're making a way. And I'm glad we found some games that we're, we're into. Yeah. I think that does it for us this uh, this quick recap minute. No, we got to come up with a title for this segment. I don't know, but I think that does it for, for this <laughs> week's extra. Uh, Jenny, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out and chatting games. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for folks who are looking for more IntelliGame content, you can swing over to our homepage, IntelliGame.us.